For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com. Hi there. Welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. Today, we're talking about debt. Yes, I think this is an incredibly important topic. It came up on one of our co- recent coaching calls where someone was sort of stuck with money and had some debt from a previous business. And when we started to unpack that, you know, she was making it mean a lot of things about her. So I thought it would be super helpful that we just talk about debt, even just between you and me, Jenny, what it means, how we like, what are our thoughts about it? How have we used debt in the past? Yeah. So we're going to talk about debt. Yeah. And I think that anytime we focus on money and actually unearthing our hidden beliefs or our, our beliefs that we may be uncomfortable with and the actual facts around a money related topic, it just helps to make it something that is more socially acceptable. So every conversation that any of us has publicly about money helps to demystify it and take the fear a little bit out of the topic. We don't talk about money enough, right? Like we really don't as a culture, especially when, yeah, yeah, it's all sort of a mystery. But I think when we talk specifically about debt, we have definitely learned through the ages, through the years that debt is somehow bad. Like it's shameful. There's a stigma to it. And that if you, you know, like there's something wrong with you, if you have debt, like what did you not know? Or what was the mistake that you made? I think that's one way that people feel about it. And I also think I have a relationship to it that is more akin to indentured servitude, where it feels like I, when I have been in periods of heavy debt, that I was borrowing something from my future self. And so that I, it's like, I owe I owe something. I'm always owing something, even though it's just essentially to my past self. And I had to really get comfortable with that. I think, you know, part of the reason we wanted to do this show was to talk about the fact that you have to be willing to make sacrifices to have what you want in life. And sometimes that means sitting in discomfort around 
your money situation. But I would even say like that sitting in dis- with money and with debt, I think you can completely change thoughts around that. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable. I think to understand why are you uncomfortable with that? Like just like what you just said, like unpack the thinking around it. Because I really have been working hard to look at money and debt as neutral. It's just a thing. It's like, doesn't mean anything. It is absolutely neutral. And like, I think a great example of that is like, most of us would go into debt for our education. There's no shame around that, right? Or buying a house. I had shame around that. So let's let's talk about that, Sandy. Because I think as an American, where my debt number was, you know, into the six figures at one point, I think that there definitely has been shame around that for me. And I know that other people feel, I don't know if it's shame, but there's a lot of big feelings around even student debt. So I think we should we should talk about that as well. But is the shame after like when you're going to go into university or college in the States and it's like, I'm going to borrow money to do this. There's no shame then, is there? It's like, this is what you do. This is normalized behavior. I go into debt to pay for my education. It isn't some circles. So I, I think like, let's just like, there's a tremendous amount of privilege as well, right? So there's people that don't go into debt. And I think for people like me, I was constantly comparing myself to those people. So I had a lot of good friends and classmates who did not have to take out student loans. And in fact, in undergrad, I I went to Berkeley, which was not that expensive when I went there. And it was it's a public university and one of the best public universities, I would argue, in the world. And I was really lucky to go there, but I did not have the financial means to do so. And so I worked lots and lots of jobs so that I didn't take out student loans in college in my under, for my undergraduate. And I, it was very important to me that I didn't. And I don't think it was about shame though. No. It was about control. It was more about like, I don't want to have to spend years paying this back. And I, there was a lot of fear around like, what would that trap me into have? Like, what kind of job would I get trapped into having to have if I took out student loans? But now the situation is quite different. It's very hard to go to any college maybe a community college in the United States, would it, you could pay for it. It's so exorbitantly expensive now. It would be really hard to have, you know, what I did was I nannied, I waitressed, I worked in the government affairs office on my campus, right? Like I had three jobs basically all the time, but I, I can't imagine that those same three jobs now would support me if I were going to Berkeley today. Yeah, well, I think yeah. I think my point though is like, it's sort of socially accepted that some may have to borrow money, go into debt to take out an education. Like that's like, nothing's wrong with you if you do that. Yeah. Right. Yes. 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 Versus you're right. You're right. I'm going to go join some program and I'm going to put it on my credit card. That's like, that's not like, yeah, but yet. So let me, let me back up for a second. I think that this is all just, money that all these concepts are something that we just society created. They're just all social constructs. And when we talk about buying things, purchasing things, it's just a swap of value. You wanted to go to Berkeley. It was this much money and paying that money was you, the value that you got from that education was worth that amount of money, right? I go to Starbucks 
it's a $5 coffee or whatever. And to me, it's worth exchanging. I get a coffee and maybe Starbucks is not the best example, but they're all out of business here. They've all closed down through the pandemic, but whatever. Like I buy a coffee, I'm like willing to get hand over my $5 bill for that coffee. The value equals $5 to me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think it's, we have, we have, you know, I think it's helpful to say in the, in this episode that you and I have very different experiences and relationships to this, to, to debt and, and especially education. And I, I count education around online courses as well, but we end up, I think in the same place at the end, but we kind of reach that conclusion in different ways. So behind me, for those of you that are watching the video version of this podcast on our YouTube channel or, you know, on our website or something, I have a framed diploma by behind me. And I, so that's my Yale diploma for grad school. And I paid that off in the relatively recent past. And to me, I feel more proud (laughs) that I paid off that like six figure education than the fact that I got in and went to Yale and had like a strong educational experience. For me, the pride is so focused on having paid that off because it was such a long journey for me. And I don't know if other people feel that way. Like probably not, but I never, like I didn't want that diploma out until I paid it off because I felt like I didn't really have it yet until I paid for it. So I have like a really strong sense of pride for having, having like done what it took to earn enough money to pay for that. And, and like, again, going back to privilege, first of all, I'm very privileged to have had the educational experiences that I've had for lots of reasons, but I went to school with people, some of whom are close friends of mine who had, who didn't have to think about taking out student loans ever. And it, I would argue that it defined so many of the choices that I made from that point on, like the minute I moved to New Haven and stepped foot on the Yale campus. And then after that went to law school, like my choices in life were largely defined by knowing that I had to pay those degrees off and make choices that would allow those, the debt to go away. So I, I have a, I mean, and I think there's a lot of people like me, like when you, at least in my country, when you look, you know, you read the news and you look at the student debt crisis, like student debt is actually a massive crisis for people can't buy houses. You know, like there's lots of stories where people don't qualify for a mortgage because their student loan debt is so high. So I think it's, it's like really powerful to have this conversation and unearth that. And then, and still I wouldn't change anything, right? Like, I want to say that too, like, you're absolutely right, Sandy, that those were choices and that those trade-offs ultimately were worth it. My life was forever changed. My skill set was improved. The relationships and networking opportunities that I had were forever changed because I made those choices. And yet it didn't take away the fact that it was still a huge responsibility that I had and a sacrifice that I had to work years and years to accommodate. So here's how I want people to think about debt is that when you were facing debt or looking at, you know, making that transaction or making that decision to go into debt, you were actually just buying money. And I I love this. I love this idea. Like if I go to the store and I buy a pair of fabulous Fluvog boots, let's say, those boots, as I said before, are so valuable that they will equal this amount of money that I'm willing to exchange for, right? Like equal equal and opposite. Yes. If I don't have the money for the Fluvog boots, I can go and buy money so that I can buy the boots, right? So I'm gonna pay a little bit of extra, like an interest on credit card, for example, but that extra money is so worth me having those boots now. 
And that's the decision that you, you have to make. So debt is just like, you're buying money, you're taking money and you're just buying some money to get a thing that you really want. And if the value is so high of that thing that you want, you are willing to pay more for it, right? Totally neutral. It's strictly transactional. Is it worth it? What can I do? Like, Another example would be my house. I want to do a renovation. I I could sit here and save money and not go into debt and buy it in, I don't know, or do the reno in two years or something, right? Like super determined. But for me, I would rather go into debt, buy money to pay for the reno so that I can enjoy the high value of a redone house, master bath now for those two years. It's totally worth it. Right. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I think everyone has to think about that trade-off for themselves. And part of that is evaluating whether like emotionally and psychologically you can handle the fact that you're in debt. And I think what you're saying, Sandy, is that there are ways what you've, you know, what you've taught to our clients and you've, you've shared with me and I totally get it. There are ways to dispel some of those um, mindset issues that we have that kind of keep us spinning around in frustration and fear around debt. And, you know, I also want to say, so I've talked a lot about formal education and the fact that I went into well over six figure, like many six figures of debt, like lots of people for my education. But I would say like, I'm probably pretty close to the spend on kind of online education that I spent for traditional education. And I don't think that they're really any different. And so what I want to say big picture, because you know, you're focused on the individual and I'm always focused on like societal level. That's the difference between us. And it's (laughs) magical that we have both perspectives. Uh But like, if you want to shift your legacy and what's what's possible for you and your life and your family like you have to be open to making trade-offs like going into debt in order to do it i'm a first generation college student neither of my parents went to college and i have many degrees and i went to an ivy league school and i'm a lawyer and i have built a company and i have like invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in my own like education as a, as a CEO and a leader. And I am working and in a position to change the future generationally so that, that my family moving forward is in a different financial situation. And I never would have been in that situation. I don't want to say never, but it's very unlikely that I would be in this situation without having made those choices to go into debt, to get here. Right. Like I would have gotten a job and like worked hard and maybe had some sort of strike of brilliance and luck that would have allowed me to grow a company or somehow win a lottery, you know, to get money into my family's bank accounts. But it's like really highly unlikely versus taking a strategic chance on yourself, like betting on yourself, going into debt to invest in the tools and the education so that you can actually have agency in changing your future and the future for your family. So I just, I want to say that too, like, and, and acknowledging all of the privilege that I have as like a cis hetero white woman doing, making those choices, right? Like putting that out there. But I came from first generation college student to getting to where I am. And like, my goal is to boost it so that my own child has, you know, all of the opportunities that I can possibly give her so that she doesn't start, you know, from behind the start of the race line. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two things. One, I also want to talk about another example that both you and I have, and that is the program that we met. And for me, it was, I believe it was 6,000 Canadian which it was like 4,000 or something US. 
it was an enormous amount of money to me at the time. And I chose to invest in that. And I think I had to put a little bit on credit card. I didn't have all of it. And I was totally 100% okay. I didn't even really see that as debt. It was more investment, as you've just described, in myself and in the future. And that 6000 debt, I remember going through the process. I had made more than that in three months from that, from date of signing up for that program. And so from that $6,000 investment with a little bit of debt there, I've made like personally hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last couple of years, over the last six years. I don't want to want to make it sound like I've done that in a year or something. And then you and I collectively have done millions of dollars together because of that investment and what we've learned. Yeah. And it was worth it, right? <laughs> it was totally worth it. But so I, there's one other piece I was, as I was preparing for this and really want to emphasize that I know there's people like, well, yeah, I would do that too if I knew that I had a $100,000 return on my investment. And I think the difference is we go in with very open eyes, like, yes, I'm willing, this value exchange, I'm willing to buy money to take this money and invest in myself, invest in my program, invest in my future self, invest for my family, as you just said. But I am so damn committed to the outcome. I am so committed to making whatever I am going to learn work. Like, like that was the difference between we doing us and some of the others in the program. They, some of them I saw like a little bit of a passive, well, this isn't working and this is hard and na na na. It's like, no, like I am going to sit here and figure it out. I'm going to trust the process, to trust the teaching. I'm going to figure it out. And we did. And that's why we were like six out of 600 people that actually had results within this program, right? Yeah. Yeah. We could have joined any program. Like, that's yeah. what I think. It's like the we, commitment behind yeah. it. Right. We could have, like, there's the program and the tool or whatever they are. Like, find the teacher that works for you or the coach that works for you or the system that makes the most sense for you and that you feel attracted to and intuitively drawn to, right? Like, if that's us, great. If it's someone else, great. But ultimately, if you're committed to following through and achieving the results, as you say, Sandy, that's what matters most. Like, there are lots of ways to get to the top of a mountain right? Like, so pick your path and then you have to be committed to it. And there's no, like almost never, there's no silver bullet or no magic, you know, beanstalk or whatever. That's going to like, you don't have to show up and do the work and do the hard part. And then like, you have to do the hard part. So I I will say when I, so I invested $5,000 in the program where we met and it was like a six month boot camp, right. To build a software company. And I was choosing, it was like the last $5,000 that I had in my savings at the time, because I had gone on maternity leave and my family had like moved across the country and we were making really big changes and really big choices. And we had just bought like this 4,500 square foot house, which is like a whole other story. I don't live like that anymore, but that's a part of my story. And I had to choose between, cause I was a lawyer and I had to choose between taking a bar review class in North Carolina, where we just moved to, cause I was licensed in Washington only. So I needed to take like a five, basically a $5,000 class to learn how to pass the bar in another state, or I could pay, take that $5,000 and join this program. And it was for me, not like one is more legitimate and one is more prestigious and one is like, it was more like, what do I want to do with my time? Right? Like I can choose to practice law in this other place, which like for me, wasn't that appealing, but it was like this in my mind, the safe bet. 
And like, there's a professorship I was considering applying. Like there were lots of choices, right? But I needed that $5,000 was for me either going to becoming a lawyer in North Carolina or to becoming a software company owner. Like it was like, choose your own adventure, right? Like, like sitting on the money and doing nothing and having the money in my bank account would have led to ultimate failure. <laughs> like I had to make a choice, right? So that's part of what we have to do as ambitious driven people who have goals and dreams in the world is we have to take our assets and we have to apply them to achieve the outcome that we want. Like sitting there and hoarding money for me would have done nothing, right? Like what kind of interest do you earn in a bank account? And then putting it in the stock market to me was like way too risky, but also like, I don't want 7% returns. Like that's not going to get me anything compared to at that point in my life, I knew I needed to make an investment in myself. For those of you who are looking at building a business and thinking about it and saying, I don't have the money, my question is always like, well, how are you going to get the money? Like, and maybe there's other, other routes, but sometimes it is debt. And I just want to say that that is okay, that that is neutral. You also have the option to not go in debt and take more time and piece together some of the learnings. It's all out there. There's nothing that's not out there. Like you could figure it out, but it's going to take time versus some kind of program, whether it is, as Jenny said, us or someone else, where you're just like, hand is held, do this, do this, do this. It costs money, right? It costs money and you may have to go into debt with that. So do you have the skills, the tactics, the knowledge, the mindset to create the business? Go for it. If not, do you want to take the time to figure it out? If not, then it looks like, you know, then you're looking at some debt, which is totally okay. So I think that the questions are like, what do you believe around debt? And I just really want to encourage and pull everyone over to like, debt is neutral. Debt means nothing about me. Debt does not, it does not mean I've done something wrong or I'm some failure or I don't know something or I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough or whatever. Debt is just neutral. It is just a thing that we made up and it means nothing about you as a person. Okay. So I totally agree. I want to go back a step to something you said a couple minutes ago, which was, you didn't say it's either time or money. That's something we say a lot, but you were emphasizing the point that you don't have to go into debt. You can do things slower and not spend as much money invested in learning something and take your time and learn from free resources and, you know, or buy inexpensive tools or programs and piece things together, learn from podcasts and blogs, right? That's totally possible. But what it's oversimplifying is the fact that there's also an opportunity cost of inaction at any given stage, right? So we're still in, I love to say this, we're still very much in the early stages of the internet economy. Like we're early pioneers in this space. And I, I believe that. And I, I felt like we were too late when we were getting started in 2015. And obviously we weren't. And obviously like that, that was a way better time to get started than now. And now is also a way better time to get started than five years from now. And I, I think that when you are early, the earlier you are to a market, a career, a company, a project, like you have certain advantages when you're early that you like things, circumstances change. And so I just want to say that there's always, like, I think everyone should, when you're making that evaluation of like, do I do it now or do I push it off? Think about the actual opportunity cost of inaction because it's very often not zero, 
right? Like there's something that gets lost in those months, those extra months or years that it takes to get something started or launched. So my best advice is to really consider if you can get your mindset comfortable with things like debt to really consider that opportunity cost because you have advantages by getting started sooner rather than later. I mean, we've seen this. The internet is is fascinating for this. Like it used to be that you could have a Facebook business page, for example, and everyone who liked your page would see everything you posted on your page. And you didn't even have to pay for that. Like that was free. That was like the most amazing thing. And for years, that's how our kinds of businesses functioned. And then Facebook said, aha, we now have to monetize the way we work. And now we're going to charge people and create a pay to play system. And that happened with Pinterest and that's happened with Twitter. And that's like, so just like starting to think about those opportunity costs. And, And if you're not familiar with how this works, like I just will say, from you know the 30,000 foot view from having been in this space a long time now you have advantages by being earlier to market and please don't negate those which that time piece getting started sooner should be calculated in the value like when you're evaluating yes. is it worth going into debt to buy this thing that's a huge part of that value equation or you know what what equals the value and that's yeah that's a great point Okay. That's all I got. Money's neutral. If you operate from that place and Jenny, you said something like, if you can get your mind, you can absolutely get your mindset to a place where you can see they're optional. So you can work your way to a place where it's like, this is, you know, it's just I owe 10 grand or I owe five grand or whatever it is. Like we don't have to have, you know, dramatic long-winded stories around it. It's just, I owe $10,000 fact. Right. So let's move into joy and hustle. All right. What do we got? Okay. I got a joy. I'll do this. We didn't prepare these before, which we usually do. So this is on the fly. I just want to talk about this book that I just finished. It's called Women a la Mode. And I learned about it from Jemiah Wilson. I think they might be friends. I saw it on her Instagram. It's such a beautiful, the author is Augustine Blaisdell. And she, it's like this blend of memoir versus, you know, mixed with, uh, so memoir and not versus um, feminist concepts and writing. And she moves to France to write about feminism. And so it's like this comparison between like American life and French life. And she, she just weaves these tales together so beautifully of, and then I was like, well, what is the book that she's writing? For the first like three, four chapters, I'm like trying to, you know, Google her and find what is the feminist book that she wrote. And then it ends up like this is the book. Like she ended up blending the memoir with the feminist work. And she's like, I'd like to get her on the podcast. She's like, you know, meets a man. And so she's like consumed with this man that she's met, that she's falling in love with and trying to like separate herself and be like the strong woman and the strong feminist. And she sort of like caves and falls in love and has children. And she's like, what's happening to me? And it's just like this real life view of trying to be a woman and like be a feminist, but also be in love with a man. You know, it's, it's just, it's just so good. Yeah. So I would really recommend that. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll definitely put notes to that in the show notes, links to that. And I I look forward to looking for that one too. And the hustle. So I, I want to say that the hustle is just kind of coming back to yourself. So 
part of, if you're following our journey at all, you know that we have grown exponentially over the last year and a half as a company. And we have tasked so many things like for, I feel like for a year, we were kind of absent in the day-to-day running of so many parts of the business because we actually had to be doing the higher level work of growing the company. And in recent, in the recent like month and a half, we've started to take back some of the day-to-day work. And I, I have found that to be incredibly profound and helpful to reconnect to the business because truly I started to hate our business um, when I wasn't actually working in it. And I, I know there's all this talk about like, be a CEO and delegate everything and don't do anything yourself. And your job is to only think high level. And I just want to say like, you need to run your company or your business the way that you want. And when I'm not in like my hands in the mud doing actual tasks, say in our product or marketing team, I'm unhappy. And I feel it's so fun. And it's given me like a rekindled relationship to to our company to be able to do it myself. I'm so glad you brought that up, Jenny, because I have thought it's felt very heavy and hard, which you know what? We can do that. We will do that. But there's been a very big disconnect. Like we've spent the last year systems and training people, right? Which is not, you know, I think most people would say it's not fun. I know that fun is just a thought, but it's not a really enjoyable part of the business. And what has it been like two, three weeks that you and I have just been like jumped back on marketing? working more together. And it's been like, so fun, like so much fun, right? Yeah. It's really fun. I would much like certain tasks. I would much rather do them myself and or do them with you than supervise someone else doing them. And I think, you know, it's when it's, when you're an entrepreneur, it's your business and you get to decide that, right? So don't let like kind of business culture or hustle culture or whatever, tell you how to run your company because it's ultimately, this is your playground, right? And ultimately it's your company. company. And if this is not a space for me to express my creativity as a maker and a creator, then I'm unhappy. So I think it's just also kind of coming back home, I would say. And I think our company is in better shape when you and I are, are like connected to it, right? In that way, and not just managers, like who wants to be a man? I mean, I know people do. People go to school. They go to business school to be yeah, managers. I love, love it. We are not those people, right? So it's like, I I want to be creative director. All our team is like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Everyone's nodding. Yeah. So <laughs> it's actually been really fun and I'm really happy. And I am looking forward to seeing, you know, what, what we can do again. Cause it's been like a long, it's like a long lost friend. That's what it feels like. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Jenny. This was super fun. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, before you go, if you enjoy listening to our podcast and you know that your future involves teaching or coaching online, check out our inner circle experience. It's where we take these concepts, women in business, money, online business strategy, mindset, feminism, and help our clients take their expertise and transition it to an online offering. It's a one-year program with high touch strategy and mindset coaching, online business courses, and the best community on the internet. To apply, head over to theinnercircle.works, fill out our short two-minute application, and if we believe you're a great fit, you'll receive access to a private advanced training on creating a profitable online business and all the program details. Go to theinnercircle.works to learn more.